Howdy, folks. You're listening to the High Res, Low Res podcast, and I'm your host, Daniel Fischel. It's really funny recording this podcast because I have episodes that I would literally record like three weeks ago, and then I also have podcasts that I have recorded back in November. And, uh, you know, uh, so it's really funny when I'm going to edit these podcasts, and we're always talking about things that happened literally months ago instead of like a few weeks ago. And in this, the, our, our guest today, I literally recorded this in November. So it's really funny when I'm like, oh, I went to this movie or whatever. I'm literally re- referencing something that happened months ago. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny uh, to listen back to this. Anyway, our guest today is Akeem S. Roberts. Akeem is a cartoonist, graphic novelist. He is an illustrator of the JD and the Kid Barber series, published on the great Penguin Random House. Akeem has also published a bunch of cartoons on The New Yorker. And if anyone follows Akeem on Instagram at Akeem Team, uh, you are probably familiar with their regular autobio comics about their wife and their two cats and the adventures of life that they go through. Um, Akeem and I talk about a lot of things on the podcast today, including working at Starbucks and, you know, until you get your art practice right. And in some cases, you even work that job while also doing a bunch of stuff uh, with your art, uh, working in-house as an illustrator slash animator, um, doing all the things, maintaining friendships. And uh, I talk a bit about getting scammed by barbers, uh, finding friendship on Zanga. And also we both talk about our love of dating shows like The Bachelor Nation. If you liked our conversation, please rate and comment and review the pod. And if you'd like to, you know, subscribe to the show too. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please email me at goodjpeg.com. That's good, bad, jpg at gmail.com. Here's my conversation with Akeem S. Roberts. I saw a like a like a YouTube video that like Tom Frost uh, actually posted on YouTube where he's like, I made like over four hundred thousand dollars a year over the last couple years doing Skillshare classes. I'm a top performing person, and I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> what is that? I, I feel like Skillshare is good because like they reached out to me to do like an animation course, like kind of class. And yeah. I did that last year, maybe last year or maybe two years ago. Um, and even with like, I promoted it pretty much when it came out and I put it on Twitter, Instagram, had a, like a highlight reel. And then I kind of never mentioned it again. But <laughs> even with that, I get like 20 to fifty dollars a month from that. Oh, it's so just it's like, not a crazy it's based amount on of like, money. Yeah, it's based on like how many people view it. But I feel like you'll do better if you like post a lot. I also like just by doing because they reached out for me for like the teacher program, and just uploading it for the first video was like five hundred. So they gave me like a bonus for uploading it. Okay, interesting. So. Do you know how many views like you get like a month or is it like just not a lot because 
it's the way that it's made is that you get paid based on not the number of views, but the amount of minutes someone watches it. Oh, cool. So it's like you're kind of like a, in a weird Spotify deal with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would probably do better if I promoted it a lot more, but I just I never do. I always yeah. forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one one day, um, you know, because I, I keep reading like and keep watching all these like YouTube videos of like all the ways you can make money as an illustrator outside of just working with companies. And, you know, some of them just, I don't know, uh, Skillshare seems like a way to, to kind of do it. But I see other people going to Domestica. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out, like, what is actually, like, the best way? Because every time I see a Domestica course, I'm like, they're always on sale. They're always like, this class is, like, $70, but today you can get it for $19. And I'm like, that seems not accurate. But I feel like that might be better, right? Because considering, like, Skillshare, it's like, they just have a set price and you're paid on the minutes. But I guess like maybe Domestica is like more of a, they take a percentage of like how many people buy your class or something. I guess. I mean, I I think it's like, well, I pay like a hundred bucks a year for Skillshare because I'm always trying to like learn something new or, um, you know, spoiler alert for anyone that's a student of mine. (laughs) Uh, when I have to go and teach like some kind of class on stuff that I barely use, like illustrator, I always, like, just go take a Skillshare class, like, real quick over the weekend and be like, all right, I'm refreshed on all the skills that I totally forgot I I knew how to do, and everything's fine now. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, actually, a lot of a – lot, a lot, it's funny. A lot of academic people do that. They just don't want to admit that out loud. Uh, oh, yeah. You definitely just, like, <laughs> looking it up. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing, Akeem? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I've uh, officially started being a full-time freelancer, so that's new and exciting. Oh, congrats, man! That that is that is awesome. That was a uh, er, er, earlier in the fall here, like uh, September, yeah, October, yeah. October, October. I nice. officially started the grind. <laughs> the grind. <laughs> oh man, uh, it, it is a grind. But before we get into that, I, I'd like to kind of dig back into you and your creative path and all that. Uh, so, uh, where, where did you grow up? Um, so basically I grew up everywhere. I'm a military brat. I grew Uh, up, uh, I was born in North Dakota, Nice. lived like five years in Germany, uh, moved to South Carolina for five years, moved to Texas for five years, moved to Maryland for just two, and then back, uh, the South Carolina for college and then New York. Nice. Do you have any, uh, particular like fun stories about growing up as a military brat or like on a base or anything like that? Uh, my family, my mom was very against being on a base. So I grew up very like Kodasak kid in suburbia mm. was kind of the vibe. I'd say as a kid, I was like very shy, did not really help moving a lot <laughs> to like, mm-hmm. after you built the confidence to like talk to people again. Um, I had a little angst and, uh, in like middle school and high school where I was just like, it was like kingdom hearts had just came out. So, you know, like I was like all into those like <laughs> memory shit. I mean, I don't know. If oh you my God. Shit. I remember in high school, just <laughs> everyone doing like fan art on their notebooks of just kingdom Hearts stuff. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so yeah so i was was really into kingdom hearts and like my theme was like i'm a forgotten memory and you know it's (laughs) that's what it means to be a teen just so much angst so (laughs) so much hair gel so much new metal like what was the early 2000s you know right (laughs) oh man so um what rank was your uh, your dad in? Uh, like, last? Uh, or is he my... still in the military? Is he still in the military? Or did he retire? My dad is no longer in the military. My mom is in the military, and oh, her rank is something like a major. <laughs> I feel like I should know this because I. <laughs> Sorry, I mom like and dad. A... <laughs> I don't know what you did in the military. <laughs> my mom's still in the military. It is high up, I guess. Like yeah. it's like. Major, second lieutenant, I don't know. One uh, of, she's at least touched those <laughs> if she's not higher up now. Right. So uh, you went to college in South Carolina. And what, what college was that? Uh, University of South Carolina, USC, or yeah. US of C, what we're calling it these days. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Go Gamecocks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, tell me about the, the college there and your experience. Um, it was basically, it was like kind of, they were like doing their best. Cause I was like, didn't know what I wanted to do after, um, high school. Uh, I was like, oh, am I going to be like an architect, you know, or something like that? I had been watching a bunch of like rom-coms. So I was like really into the architect kind of vibe. Just like, oh yeah, that's, you'd be an architect. You hit the city, how I met your mother. And that's just how it goes. But so I went to the school and I did media arts where they basically taught. Basically, it was just like the basics of Photoshop and like the Adobe suite. So I learned just like everything basic on that and like how to take photos, composition, shooting short films, but nothing related into like drawing or anything like that until like my last semester when I decided to minor in illustration I did a figure drawing class, and my professor was like, oh, you got a good good start. Can't wait to see you next year. And I had to sadly be like, no, this, <laughs> I'm not <here>. this is it. <laughs> you met me. I'm gone. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> did you end up doing any kind of uh, figure drawing classes like post-college or like drink and draws or any of that to continue refining your skills? Like... For me, I went to grad school, and part of their whole like ethos was like, take a sketchbook everywhere, draw anytime you can, and draw on the subway, at cafes, whatever. And I was I was drunk on that for like a good like two years post grad. No, it's crazy. Uh, no, I feel like I watch even though like I was like doing stuff, I was always like watching YouTube videos. Yeah. So I guess I'm just like a, a YouTube kid. <laughs> That's how I, like, got all my, like, uh, fundamentals and, like, figure drawing skills. It's, like, the internet. I hear that. I feel like that's where the direction of everything is just all things on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, you, uh, so, was there any, like, mentors or anything in, in particular from, you know, USC that, you know, you felt like had an impact on you for you to want to move to New York City of all places after grad school? Oh, no, I after grad school, like, after BA program? Um, so, New York, the story, basically, in college, I had this friend group where we, like, just, like, played a bunch of music, did a bunch of house shows, 
So uh, one of my friends got like a job offer up here uh, for the summer, and I also needed like an internship. So I asked him if like that company could give me an internship, and they were basically just like some music company, just like startup in yeah. New York. And so I like came up here just for the summer with just like nothing but like a duffel bag. And I just, like, vibed. And I was like, all right, I like the city, but, you know, got to go back. So then I go back for, like, graduation. And, like, during this time, I was, like, not working at Starbucks because I was, like, I felt like I, like, had to, like, get a full illustration job. So I was like, all right, I got out. I need to find a job immediately. And they were like, okay, you can, like, be off for, like, three months. But at the th- end of three months, it's, like, basically you quit. Or, like, you have Mm -hmm. to, like, transfer or something. So, like, near the end of that three months after I graduated, I went to South Carolina again. I was like, man, this feels very different. I love the city. I love being in the city and not down here. No offense. (laughs) Yeah. And the pay that I was getting at Starbucks was, like, $9 an hour. And I was getting, In South Carolina, you're saying. Yeah. In South Carolina, it was, like, $9 an hour. But the rent was still, like, 500 to 600 and yeah. then I moved up here. I was, like, staying with one of my friend's uncles. So the rent was free. That was one thing for at least the first six months. Nice. So I was like, all right, I'll come up to New York, transfer, getting uh, $13 an hour now. My cost of living is, like, skyrocketing all of a sudden. <laughs> like, I'm living pretty comfortably. <laughs> yeah. And, like, what is said to be the hardest city to live in. So I'm like, all right, doing good. And then a year after I was at Starbucks, that's when I got, like, my first full-time, or I guess, like, semi-full-time uh, animation job. Oh, cool. Where, where was that at? It was this uh, startup in Brooklyn uh, where we just did, like, explainer videos and, like, whiteboard videos, which is kind of like the videos where a mm-hmm. hand comes on the screen and just, like, draws something really quick and be like, this is a blood cell. And the blah, 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 <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah, it's like those those jobs that like, you know, they're just so random like that you you don't really you shouldn't discount them. Like they're they're like the gigs that like, you know, get you your start, get you to learn different programs. You you have like an actual studio with other people. It's it's like yeah. really great, man. Um and uh when you quit Starbucks after after getting this gig, right? Or did you work yeah. both places? I worked both places for a full year. Oh my so, like, God. when I left Starbucks, I was uh, a shift supervisor. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, I was coming in one day a week at Starbucks, but I was in charge. And <laughs> it was a weird Whoa. vibe. <laughs> so I'd, like, come in, look at everything, count mm-hmm. everything, do the orders, make sure the orders are good for the next, like, week. Yeah, being, was... some, being, be, being someone that has worked at Starbucks, like... Like, how do you feel about, like, the last year or two of, like, Starbucks, you know, employees, like, unionizing all over the place? Do you feel like, you know, that that it's just, like, it's a long time coming, or? Here's the thing. I, like I said, Starbucks pays a lot, especially because it always goes above minimum wage, but that is not enough. (laughs) That's why I, like, support the union, because I feel like even if they'll, like, sometimes their pay is good, it's just, like, you don't know if you're getting hours. Like they could be like, "Oh yeah, you you your rate is higher now, but like now you're not getting as much work." Like, "Oh, you only work 2 days a week or something like that." 
And right. I feel like that is hard to call, especially if you go in and it's slow and then you like have to leave. And it's just like, I don't know. I feel like unions protect people, especially when the economy is just inflation is crazy right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those, those employees need to get paid. Um, yeah. Awesome. So back to your uh, whiteboard stuff. Uh, did you enjoy the work or was it just like uh, clocking in and clocking out while you're doing freelance? It was, it was a little bit of both because it was like, it kept me going because there was like a hierarchy at the company where it was like, if you were good or if they like saw you as good, basically you got to do the more expensive videos. You got to do the videos that were like um, graphic design. You got to do fancy shapes, colors and stuff like that. But if you, they saw you like as a low level or like if you could draw better than some other people, I guess, and other things like they would make you do the whiteboard videos which like they weren't bad but they were a little bit soul-sucking at times yeah. <laughs> like you're just listening to like people talk about like this pharmaceutical jargon for like hours on end and the hardest like the part that makes it like mind numbing is like we were doing it digitally to draw on so basically i would like draw something the client would give notes and then we would have to like trace that drawing like very detailed and like frame by frame so that it would like mask oh. on in a way that felt organic. And then after you did that, you would trace that picture again with like the illustration or like with the image of the hand to make it look like it was drawing. So it was just like tedious. It was very tedious. <laughs> That's like old school, like hand drawn animation to like a max. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, and was this job salary or was it hourly? It was hourly. So, like, the reason I stayed at Starbucks was, like, when I first got there, I was getting 16 an hour. And I was also making that at Starbucks because I was, like, a shift supervisor. So I was like, right. all right, I'll just keep this. And I don't know how long. When I started there, I was, like, kind of freelance for them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, we don't know how long we'll have you. So I, like, kept doing both jobs. And then eventually they, like, had me on as full-time. But that was, like, after half a year that they were, like, okay, you're here full-time. But even still, I just stayed at Starbucks for, like, six more months. Was it because of, like, insurance stuff with Starbucks? Or, like, why'd you stay? I guess I just loved the extra pocket money. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) That's true. I was like, you know, you're you're paying me the (laughs) same bit, like, if anything happens and I lose this job in like the next year or whatever, like I'd still have Starbucks and still make that same amount of pay. Mm-hmm. So it was like, but it was a lot. It was like basically working like six days a week. Yeah. Well, what was your hourly pay at this place, by the way? It just, th- yeah, it was 16. Oh yeah. 16. Never mind. 16. Uh, and then I left when they finally like started giving me a raise. I left there when I had like 21 an hour. When I started making twenty one an hour, okay, which is like, <laughs> I think like like <laughs> like what year was that, by the way? Uh, okay, so I started in two thousand fifteen. I stayed yeah. there for about like three years, so I would say like I left around the beginning of two thousand nineteen. Okay, yeah, I was about to say twenty twenty one an hour. That's like basically what minimum wage should be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> Uh, cool. And then you, uh, went on to work at a different company after that in 2019. I went to work for a sticker company. Um, think sort of like a Giphy, 
um, mm-hmm. and we did like stickers for Venmo, um, and like other like texting apps, and that was a really good job. I learned and met a, a bunch of great people, mm-hmm. and then I just left that job just this past October. Um, by the way, like I remember seeing like a bunch of stickers on Venmo, and then one day not having those stickers. Do you know what happened with that? It just didn't didn't work out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Venmo, Venmo no longer wanted the stickers. I was just that was that. Yeah. I I mean, partly I get it. Uh, it. It's kind of a funny thing, and probably like uh, when it comes to the amount of space on their servers or something to have it all work with you know hundreds of thousands of transactions in like an hour like. I get it. It's a lot easier to just have emojis. But I always felt like it was such a really charming part of Venmo for the longest time that gave it that extra little piece that like Cash App and other places really didn't have for their transactions. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like some people wanted like privacy. So it's like, I guess some people don't share. But it is always interesting when I like open the app every once in a while and I'm just like, man, so-and-so is... We're getting a lot of beers. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, yeah, that's the other thing, too, I feel like that has changed, which is, like, Venmo, you used to be able to see how much money you gave other people when they had it public. And I'd be like, sometimes i just look and be like, how much are you giving them right now? And then they change it to where it's just a description of whatever the transaction was and not the actual money amount. And I'm like, it's a little better. It's like a little more private. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Back when I first... Moved to Brooklyn. That's how I paid my rent via yeah. Venmo. I'm, um, when you started paying rent, you went from free to how much a month? Uh, it was like five eighty four and like mm-hmm. Sunset Park, but that was including everything. Oh, it was nice. a great deal. We lived. I like lived above this family with like, I guess like three other people, and mm-hmm. Sunset Park like right by the park. It was. It was great. I love that apartment, but I had no windows. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like my pitch my dark. <laughs> my first apartment in New York, uh I I I went with someone that I went to from from undergrad with and we uh I was like working as like a lifeguard in, in Pennsylvania and uh they looked for the apartments uh for me and it's like her and her friend uh, and then me would move in there, and then they they sent me photos onto my flip phone, and I'm trying to, like, look at the images, and I'm like, it seems fine to me. <laughs> you know, the images <laughs> I'm getting. And then, yeah. um, you know, uh, when I first uh, was paying rent there, uh, I started off at 450 a month, and my bedroom had no windows also. They, like, yeah. constructed a wall. They had, like a like, a like one room and then they constructed a, a wall between the two rooms to make it into a three bedroom. And, uh, I was like, all right, this is, this is okay. Um, cause when I first moved in, we just had like a, a sheet on like fishing wire between our oh, rooms between. <laughs> uh, for like the first, like two months before they were able to get someone to come in and put in some sheet rock between our rooms. I'd and say like, as an artist, the no window room is uh, kind of a sweet deal. You just like, you're focused, like you have no idea what time it is. Oh yeah, I mean, especially if you're a digital artist, like having like your screens there and you have like all everything's color correct, 
Like yeah. it's it's a whole it's like it's like uh the it's a so it's a silver lining double edged sword of a room. But also if you're trying to wake up early, oof, you're gone. Like it's not you, happening. You have to set like five alarms. <laughs> Make sure it you're awake. It is the best sleep you'll ever get though. There is no yeah. distractions. Mhm. Yeah. But. Uh so so yeah, um, I yeah I I missed that apartment. I lived there for like I think twelve years before, oh, wow. like yeah like like eleven twelve years. And then what happened was the 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 owner, this old Italian lady, lived on the first floor like for like fifty years, uh, even after her like husband passed, and you know basically decided she wanted to live with the rest of her family, which all lived in Florida. So, you know. Uh, yeah. So she just, you know, <laughs> moved down there. Her husband was, uh, he was a sanitation worker. So she was getting his pension plus like social security. So she was like, yeah, I can, oh, she was good. Yeah. She's good. She's set. So yeah, she, she's living a good life. Uh, I will sometimes on Facebook because uh, of course on Facebook get like a, like a Merry Christmas or a happy birthday. And it's, it's always very sweet. She's like one of the few landlords where I'm like, real tight with still and is super nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, also just, you know, you always have roommates when you move here, which is how yeah. you're able to like survive and not have to be like, well, I'm want to live on my own. So I'm paying like 3000 a month or two, 20 yeah, I can't a month. Imagine, like coming to the city and just like living alone. I feel like part of being new to the city is having roommates and like they help you explore or you guys explore together. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you moved to, uh, the city, um, how did you form a community around you? Uh, basically from Starbucks. So like, like I said, I was like living with my friend's uncle for like six months in the city for free. And then eventually I was like, you know, I feel like I'm overstaying my welcome <laughs> after the, like the Christmas holiday, mm -hmm. I like yeah. came back and I was like, all right, I need to find something else. So then, like, one of the employees at Starbucks that I was working with, we, like, we were, like, hanging out, and they were, like, oh, move in with me and my roommates, like, where we need to fill a room. So that's how I was able to, like, live in Sunset Park. Sweet. Yeah. Which is good, because, like, I had always worked at the Starbucks in Brooklyn, but where I lived was in the top of the Bronx. So I was, like, last stop on the four. But I, like, worked, like, by, uh, by like, downtown Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, like, so as, as someone who's never really, who's only visited the Bronx to go to, like, the zoo or the botanical garden, like, what was it like living in the Bronx? Where I was, it was, like, so high up that it was basically kind of almost Yonkers. So oh, it was, like, wow. very hilly. Um, nothing but like old Irishmen and pubs around is <laughs> the vibes were good. I, I, it was nice, yeah. quaint, but it was like very, it did not feel like you were in the city. <laughs> yeah. It, nothing that like Jesus and Mero would like describe as the Bronx. It's like a whole other universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> not, not that Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, you, you're talking about your Starbucks community. And that kind of came through. When when have you started to build like an art community around you? Like who who are some of the people, formative people, and how did you meet them? Ironically, you is one of my formative oh. people in <laughs> Narciso and Meredith. Uh, basically, 
I had absolutely nothing, but I went to, was it like Bergen Street Comics? Mm-hmm. That was like, uh, so I went there to get a R- copy. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went there to get a copy of like Fantasy Basketball when it first came out to get oh, it like yeah. signed Sam, by. Sam uh, Bosma. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And I was like, all right, cool. This is like me, like meeting people. And then I had one of my friends from college, uh, T, um, which he's, he's still in New York. (laughs) Um, um, yeah. So he was there with me and he, he asked you to give me a portfolio review randomly. (laughs) Like why? I'm just a guy. (laughs) I, I, you know what? I, Whatever. It was a great icebreaker. I wasn't doing it, you know, because yeah. I'm, like, shy. So, you know, random way to meet someone. But mm-hmm. <laughs> And then from there, yeah, like, I reached out to you guys and, like, eventually started hanging we out. started hanging out. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and uh, who are you hanging out with these days when it comes to art and stuff? Because I feel like... You know, in the years since, uh, people like, especially when it comes to cartoonists, you're either someone that's a cartoonist who stays in New York and you work for the New Yorker, or you know, you end up like moving to LA to work in animation full time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like now it's like I'm always hanging out with my like ex coworkers at my first job, yep. and some coworkers from the newest job I just left. And then from there, New Yorker cartoonists, I've like uh, recently got into the slack and <laughs> started nice. hanging out with everyone. Um, and then besides that, I guess uh, I'd say I've talked to Rebecca Mock a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. They are really nice. <laughs> um, so uh, how did you end up getting uh, into working with the New Yorker? Uh, so basically through the friendship I made with like you and Narciso, I think right. maybe Meredith couldn't table at Mocha one year. Okay. Um, maybe like 2019 Meredith couldn't table at Mocha. So then I took her spot and I tabled and that was like kind of how I made my connection for not only the New Yorker, but also for uh, Harper Collins. Oh yeah. Like I met Emma randomly which i didn't know i met emma and then i also met andrew uh without knowing because uh-huh. i had like um a zine of just like this like short comic like my instagram comics and then i also had like this eight page mini comic about like getting a report card like signed and andrew loved that and i don't know if emma loved it i assume she did because <laughs> mm-hmm. she reached out on monday and um yeah uh, Emma being the uh, the New Yorker editor who yeah, yeah. organizes all the cartoonists and stuff. What was your first uh, published uh, New Yorker piece? My first, ironically, my first published New Yorker piece happened the very first time I sent one in. I got I got one in. <laughs> so wow! Like lightning hit right away. Lightning hit, and then I got another one in the very next week, and oh then. My God. You're like, this is nothing. easy. <laughs> then nothing. Then nothing. <laughs> then I was like, I'm not funny. <laughs> but the very first one I did was like, I imagine like this mouse moving in 
and like he's looking at this big cat and he's like has his hand out with like a newspaper and glasses and he's like are you the super and that was like the joke (laughs) and then the second one i sold actually just got published maybe like last month okay so it's like i've sold others in between those and those have like been published but that one just got published like a couple of months ago okay yeah Um, nice but yeah, what about you? How do you, how did you make your like art community? Was it just like from college? Oh I, no, not at all. Like, um, <laughs> my my undergrad experience was uh, very weird. Um, when I was an undergrad, uh, it was during two thousand eight, which was like my senior year, uh, which was a weird year because, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies won the World Series, and so that was amazing, and then. Uh, Barack Obama won, you know, his first uh, term. And, you know, it's like we like all went on the street and just, you know, uh, you know, like uh, a friend of mine uh, had a 40 ounce. He threw it on the ground just to like set the tone, (laughs) you know, know? and like, you know, it was great. People climbing, you know, uh, like light poles and jumping on top of uh, SEPTA buses and, it was a wild time, like, you know, literally like, you know, like uh, like two weeks, like like one week we had the Phillies win and that was crazy. And then we did it all over again outside, like the Phillies won, like, <laughs> you know, like two weeks later after he defeated John McCain. And then yeah. uh, that was wild. But then, you know, after that, there was just uh, a tension in the studios that was thick because you know, we were going through, um, uh, like rough economic times, not, mm-hmm. not so similar that we're kind of entering in right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like the professors were looking at my portfolio and we're like, do you really want to get an editorial right now? Because no, no. it's, and I'm like, yes, I do. Like, this is the way. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, it, uh, and then, I, and then I remember uh, meeting uh, up with a, a professor at college, uh, you know, Time Magazine artist Tim O'Brien. He's not he's not just for them, but he, he's no. done a lot of covers for them. And he's just like, you know, if every student had an extra two years, they could really like, you know, really focus on themselves. And then I was like, all right. And so I applied to the only grad school that I felt like at the time that existed. Uh, was really worth my money and my time, which was, you know, SVA's School of Visual Arts's uh, Illustration as a Visual Essay program. So I went yeah. there, and the tone in that department was way more positive. And uh, it's just because, like, I went from being in a class where everyone was just, like, afraid and, like, trying to do, like, safe work uh, or, like, trying to make, like, really, like, work that's going to really transition them into like something in the field and not take a lot of risks. So you had a lot of people making books for, you know, making children's book artwork and stuff like that. And, um, you know, or making kind of posters or something like that where they think they can make some money in the field or whatever. And one of my, one of, one of the few friends that I still keep in touch up with, they made a bunch of book covers and stuff and they ended up becoming an art director at, um, couple of different uh book publishers like later on and and stuff like that and 
And so like there was just a lot of tension and like in, in undergrad. But then when I got to grad school, that all went away. And it was such a supportive atmosphere of people. And I feel like the first like two or three years after graduating, we all met up fairly regularly. But then like, you know, life just kind of. Yeah. It gets the in the way because if I have to keep in mind, like I when I graduated from SVA, I was like, it was like 2011, and I was like 23, 24 years old, and everyone in my class was like in their 30s or early 40s. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was the young like asshole in the was, group. I was gonna ask. I was gonna yeah. ask because I was like, oh, you went from undergrad immediately to graduate school, which mm -hmm. is like not usually the the process it's like at least a couple of years just like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so uh it was definitely like a different feeling and i think i it was partly just because i also um was a very different person <laughs> at that age um and so uh i, I guess they were just like oh, what's the, what's up with this kid you know and they're just like you know and they hung out with one another uh, I, I, I know that some of them still like hang out and a couple of them had a, a couple, like a, a bunch of them had a studio space together for, for a while. And I was just like, I can't afford that. I, I'd love to join you all. Uh, I've always worked from home and, uh, a couple of them, like, even though like some of those studios kind of disbanded a little bit because of COVID and, you know, they just gave up the space, a bunch of them mm -hmm. actually started a, a new one recently. So. Uh, oh, wow. Or not a bunch, but like, you know, two, two of my friends that I went to grad school with. And uh, that, that was really cool. That was really nice. Um, so, uh, you know, once in a while, I, I, you know, I keep in touch. I actually went to uh, one of my friends uh, that I went to grad schools with, uh, Open Studio, recently. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, went to their opening as well. And it's been really nice. And I've, I've been... Uh, Instagram DMing a couple. One one of them uh, actually moved to Florida with their with their wife, and so I was just kind of touching base, seeing what they're up to and all that. And it's been nice, but I th I feel like most of the friends that I've made in my community started off on the internet, like with uh, Zanga, <laughs> of all places. Um, <laughs> there was a uh, a website that was hosted on Zanga called Illustration Friday. And it was run by uh, Nate Williams, and uh, I made a couple of friends that lived in New Jersey and Canada because uh, we we all did the prompts, those, like, Illustration Friday prompts where there's a prompt on Friday, and they chose, like, the winner, like, a randomized, like, person who, like, had the best art. And we all did the prompts, and we'd see, like, all the submissions and all that on Zanga, and then we'd kind of connect, and eventually we kind of found each other on Twitter just like how the early days of like how we communicated on Twitter was very like wild, very open. Uh, Cause we didn't think no, there's like no one, no clients were looking at us on Twitter. And then yeah. I think around like 2015, we all realized like, Oh, clients are looking at our Twitter. And <laughs> we started tightening up a little bit, uh, not being as uh, outspoken and as wild um, kind of thing. So um, it, it was fun. And I've built a lot of my friendships on Twitter and Instagram and uh, and from that I'd be like, oh wait, you actually live in New York? Let's hang out. Like blah 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 blah. And then like from there, also over the years of going awkwardly in the very beginning to the American Illustration Party and the Society of Illustrator openings, to now I, I every time I go to those things now it's like a like a homecoming. 
you know i like, still have not tried to go to either one of those things <laughs> i look i think that for you personally it's probably better to go to society of illustrator openings because uh, i think that you'll see more friends there and people like that whereas the american illustration party if you don't go if you don't show up early it's overwhelming because there's so many people because it's not just illustrators it's photographers there too oh, yeah. on the other side so um and uh even though some people wear name tags and some people don't so you don't know if you're talking to another illustrator or a potential client so it's it's, it's kind of wild or <laughs> or like just someone that just kind of shows up because they're like a friend of someone that's there or whatever yeah um but yeah it, it's fun uh i i enjoy it a lot uh, it's just, you know, another way to kind of connect with people and, uh, you know, outside of like going to like, you know, Mocha or other comic conventions or TCAF or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we talked a little bit about your New Yorker cartoons and, uh, you know, tell me about, uh, your editorial work that you've been doing lately. Or had been doing um so for editorial i've been doing stuff for i guess my first one was i did um a couple of comics for love life season two for conti nas um they reached nice. out via nice. the new yorker and like basically they wanted new yorker style type comics to like promote the new season which i had never watched the first season but they like gave me like three episodes to preview now, Which did that like, did they pay you editorial rates or was it at because it was advertorial it was they paid you a little bit more I think they they paid me a little bit more it was more than I would usually get for editorial rate yeah and it was great honestly <laughs> yeah got to for, watch an for, episode mm-hmm. for those at home like, uh advertorial is when you're doing an editorial illustration but it's actually promoting a product of some kind. So it, it kind of looks like an editorial piece, but it's really promoting uh, a larger thing. So you get paid a little bit more as a advertising piece. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. So like, that was good. I watched like the first three episodes and I was just like, I feel like I've never watched anything with more focus before in my life. I would like <laughs> watch a minute, think of a joke immediately like write mm-hmm. it down and just like keep watching and every time just pausing and like writing as many jokes as I could. And then just, like, submitting, like, pretty much, like, eight jokes out of those three episodes that I thought were good. And then Mm -hmm. they picked three of them. And then from there, it was good. And then besides them, my other, like, main client has been, like, Men's Health. They've reached out to me to do, like, the cool dad um, illustrations for those, for those, like, essays. Are you working with Jamie there or Um, working with someone else? It's been a different person every time. Wow. I feel like okay. the first person was like um, this person. Uh, what was her name? I don't want to mess people's names. So. Uh, don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> but, we'll just skip uh, over was, it then. <laughs> she was really, she was really nice. I did work with Jamie for the one I did recently, and yep. um, I want to say October for uh, Karamo. I think that was with Jamie being my art director for that. Mm-hmm. And then this time I had someone else, but I did Lavar Burton for. Uh, from reading oh, Rainbow. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. Um, so like editorial hasn't been like your main bread and butter lately. I, yeah. I feel like this is like helping me to get a little more into editorial, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. 
But you you had worked on a couple of different you worked on like a chapter book series, right? Yeah, yeah. I worked yeah. on a chapter book series with uh Coquila and Random Penguin House. And like Coquila is like their sister company where like it's more like diverse and stuff like that. And um they reached out to me like at the beginning of twenty twenty, like January twenty twenty. They're like, Oh, do you wanna like work on this chapter book series? And I was like, Yeah. And then they were like, all right, do some sketches over the weekend. So then I like read the log yeah. lines of the characters and just like sketched really fast each character. And those were like the characters for the series. Like <laughs> just like that was it. I had a weekend. I made them. <laughs> nice. What, 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 so what is this story about? It's about like a kid that is a barber and yeah, it's about a kid who gets named, named JD who gets like, a really bad haircut from his mom. Yeah. Basically gets made fun of and then decides to like start cutting his own hair. And like it really takes off. All the kids like it. Of course it causes drama with like the barbershop in the town and like how to like deal with that issue. They have like a barber battle and like basically like cutting hair at the same time and like getting it rated. My God. Uh, um, I, so uh, my last my last guest that I talked to, Ben Curry, he and I talked about barbers, and I was like, you know, you moved to New York. Did you find a barber? He's like, yeah, I went to someone, and I, you know, for a while, and we used to get, like, I used to get, like, whiskey shots or something. He'd, like, <laughs> do my beard and all that. And I'm like, that's crazy because, you know, I, I've always had a hard time finding, like, a really good barber and stuff. What was your experience like, you know, because uh, we're both black men here. Like, what's your experience with barbershops in New York? Here's the problem. I have <laughs> <laughs> zero experience with barbershops in New York. I have not had a wow! haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the second person now where I'm like, let's have like a black on black experience here, man. And I'm What's like, your barbershop experience like? You're like, nah, I got nothing. I mean, I would say like from like. Like I said, I, like, lived in South Carolina for, like, five years. Yep. And that was, like, during my elementary school years. And, like, I had mm -hmm. a barber there that we went to. And then when I came back to college, I went back to that same guy. And he was like, how's your family? It was just, like, coming back home. It was, like, great. Yeah. Um, I do not have that in New York. <laughs> but I yep. think that's just, like, about that. Like, back when I was getting my hair cut, my hair was, like, a little short. It was, like, shorter like yours. And I was, yep. like, getting it buzzed, like, every two weeks and, like, you know, faded and all of that. And, like, one day I just stopped going. And I was just like, I'm just going to grow it out. And I've just been growing it out ever since. Yeah. Do you get it trimmed at all or? No. No? You just keep it going. Just keep it going. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that. Oh, man. Sorry. Sorry. I can't, I can't help oh. you. <laughs> oh, it's fine. That I. I, so let me let me just tell you. I don't think I talked talk, talk to uh, you know the pod and Ben's production. So I'll just talk about it here. Like when I first moved to New York, I went to this barbershop that was run by Russians, like outside the oh. SBA, like college. And I went there for like four years because I'm like, it's fourteen bucks with tip. It's you know just have cash on hand. Give them a twenty to give me change. It's fine. Uh, and I'm like, I should just go somewhere in my neighborhood. You know, so at first, you know, for a good like seven, eight years, I went to uh, this barbershop where, you know, all the guys that were in there 
they're all like Spanish guys and they didn't speak any English. So I just be like, those and then just like <laughs> circled around my head and they're, they're like, see, <laughs> started to shift my head and they just talked to one another and then they had some beats going. It was, it was awesome. But they just had odd hours because anytime I would like need to go there, uh, like they'd always be closed. But whenever I want to go there, they're open. Like it's like they, never when I like need to where I'm like I have like a date in a couple of days I want to get like a haircut or something and uh, it's like no you know uh, or like I need to get a haircut or no uh, but when I'm like oh like I'm out and about why not like I'm there and it's open and whatever it's always annoying so I ended up going to uh, this I ended up walking by uh, to go to like the subway and seeing like there was a new barbershop open across the street from this grocery store that's like. Was old, by my old apartment and i went in there and i'm like yo like you doing cuts he's like well i do it by appointment only but i, I don't have nothing going on right now and so i went to this guy for like two years up until like from like i think 20 late 2018 up until early 2020 when the pandemic kind of started mm-hmm. hit and this dude took advantage of me. Oh, no. <laughs> he like uh, I thought you were gonna be like best barber ever. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, the thing is, is he was one of those guys who's like, listen, give me sixty bucks, and you get like three haircuts. And like, I'm like, that sounds like a great deal. And like, I'd cash app the dude, and then I'd be like, all right. And then I'd show up like three, four weeks later because I don't get my haircut like you know, hit up every like two weeks, uh, you know, cause I just get a simple buzz. I don't get a fade or anything like that where it needs to be kind of upkept. Mm. Uh, so, and then I'd go back in and be like, Oh man. And give me some kind of freaking story. And then I'd cash up him 40 bucks. And then, oh, so it's no. like every time <laughs> instead of it, him paying off his debt to me, I'd always be giving this dude like, you know, 20 to like 80 bucks, you know, for this thing or another. And then, you know, uh, by the time the pandemic like hit, I'm like, one, uh, it's not safe to get get out and get haircut by anyone. So through the entire pandemic, I, I ended up cutting my own hair and just looking jacked all the time. If, if you know, outside of like the clear crisp of a you know internet camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I actually just started getting cut by this guy uh, that's around the corner from my new apartment and. It's cool because basically uh, they have like a QR code and you can just schedule your appointment and with whoever is there. So I've been just getting cut by the same guy and I just spend, you know, with tip like 40 bucks once a month. Just go in, get a cut, get out. And I'm like, great. And this is like the best like actual like business relationship (laughs) of someone of like, all right, like this is fine. Like I, this is, this is great, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm getting jacked. One time, my old barber, I was like in the chair with him and he went on and he was like, telling me his like whole life story about how he learned how to cut hair, um, in prison. And I'm like, that's cool, man. Like, you know, word up. You're like, you know, actually like, you know, doing your life, you know, and, and everything. And then he'd be like, by the way, I got some weed from California. I'll sell it to you for like a hundred bucks and you can just sell it to your friends and like you can make your money back, like whatever, whatever. And I'm like, you're trying to make me into a drug dealer right now? And you're talking That's about a- how like you like left uh prison and you're cutting hair, you you turn your life around and now you're trying to 
I'm like, what's going on, man? Like, That's MLM. You just you ran into MLM. <laughs> I know. Like, I didn't realize it. My, you know, entirely my old barber was trying to put me into an MLM like, all this whole time. Oh man. So anyway, uh, so right now you're currently with your literary agent and trying to work on graphic novel pitches. Like, do you want to yeah. talk about how you you got your uh, literary agent and how that led into you now working on more pitches and the process of working on a pitch and all that? Yeah. So it uh, first started with me like reaching out to people after I got those first uh, three books done and literally like I was like meeting people talking to people and like discussing and like getting like their rates and stuff and like what they could get from clients and it was just like not equaling out Mm -hmm. so then I was like talking to the author of the JD books uh John Dillard and he was like oh just like go to my literary agent so then I reached out to to Regina and she was like, oh, I like your work. Like, yeah, we can, like, get you something. And her deal. And, like, she had already basically done the deal for, like, the book series and, like, had gotten me a great rate, great royalties. So I was like, yeah, let's just, like, keep it going. <laughs> like, nice. you didn't know you were doing that for me, but, like, thank you. And <laughs> let's keep it going. So then from there, the book pitches, um, one of them I'm pitching to, like, was, like, one that I worked with with Andrew at like early 2020 because like like I said he had liked a short that I had done that was like eight pages long and he was like I love these characters let's make these characters into a graphic novel and I was like dope nice and then we like he gave we had like an editor and we were like working on the story through like 2019 and then they were like okay good just like do the first 30 pages and then like we'll get it going and then that's when i was like working at the other job and it got really busy so i like didn't have time and then i also Mm -hmm. started doing the middle grade series but now i'm back to pitching that same one and another one to him and uh coquila nice hopefully something gets through it's all all downhill from here king yeah Uh, I the one thing that I one, one thing that I, I've been loving about uh, you in, in your comics because um, that's something that I've been really you know one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you which is like your interpersonal comics that you have been doing uh, you know oftentimes including your wife and your cats. Yeah. Uh, can you you know talk about your you know what inspired you to do those like? I feel like it was probably because, like, I did not go to, like, a good... No, no, maybe not a good, but I didn't go to, like, a proper art school. So, like, I was like, all right, this is a way that, like, I can, like, still do something but also improve. So, like, the very first comics I did was just, like, black and white, um, very, like, comic strip kind of vibe. Uh, Was single in my first Mm -hmm. couple of comics. (laughs) Then slowly you saw my progression of life, and I was like... I used the comic as a way to, like, tell funny jokes and work on that skill, but also work on, like, my illustration skills and, like, just focus on everything. Because I feel like the first couple of ones I did, I didn't have any backgrounds. And then, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, the Etherton brothers or whatever that, like, have those, like, how to think when you draw books? 
Uh, no, I mean, I'm more, um, no, I know more about like Scott McCloud, but not Etherton. Well, they were like two brothers that like had this series, like how to think when you draw. And they were like doing something where they like needed a cartoonist for like a comic. And I like reached out to them and like sent them my comics from Instagram. And they were like, these are good. Your characters are good. I love the delivery of these like characters, but there's no backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started focusing a lot more on background. So I just like every time I like come to a new wall that I need to like learn something, I use my Instagram comics to like push that and like learn that. So you're learning about my life and I'm growing along with the audience. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, does your wife like how you've, you know, portrayed her and the stories? Or is there any time that they've ever pushed back on that at all? Um. She has never pushed back on how I've delivered her, okay. <laughs> like presented her to the world. Yeah. Um, what are what are some things that you are currently obsessed with? Uh, the classic Sonic the Hedgehog. I love Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. Sonic Frontiers just came out. The IDW comics are great. I would love to work on one of those, but at the same time, I'm like, don't meet your heroes. <laughs> right. Have you met Have you met them? No, no, no. I... Oh, it's just the title of the, the game. I'm not familiar yeah. with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog game outside, outside of, like, Sega Genesis, like, it existing. There's, there's a lot. You know, some people would say the transition to 3D has been rough. <laughs> Yeah, but I would say it's always been great. <laughs> There's been some bad games, but like nothing like too bad that I'm like, oh, I'd never play this game. It's just like mm-hmm. you know, there's some quirks. You you learn your way around it, right? Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little more forgiving as a gamer. <laughs> maybe I mean, um, there's just like I don't know. There's like a lot out there. Uh, and you're also into anime and, man- and manga. Yes, too? I I have been reading it. I guess like in early 2020 when there was like nothing to do, I got the Shonen Jump app and I just like started reading multiple series, which like other series I had already like kept up with, but I was reading like illegally at the time, like one piece I started reading in college and that was a pain, but now it's all in just one spot, which makes it like easier. And then at the same time, it like makes it like, I'm really like, I love the animation in anime so like allows me now like after you've already read the story to like watch it back and just like just watch the animation kind yeah. of I, i'm currently making my way through from the first season through uh all of one piece right now i, I saw the new one piece red movie that came out and that was like incredible and a lot of fun i have not seen it but oh my God. <laughs> i heard it was I, really really good it's still in theaters it was great there was like a whole crew of boys, you know, like in front of me and my partner, and we were just <laughs> just laughing the entire time <laughs> as they were losing their minds. <laughs> that I love when people are like crazy at theaters because, for instance, I saw the Sonic the Two movie opening night. Yeah, there was this kid behind behind me, and like they had obviously had seen the movie like maybe a day early. But they had seen it and, like, loved it so much that they were, like, quoting moments that were about to happen. Oh they were, like, that committed. And I was, like, dang. that I love seeing younger Sonic fans just, like, really enjoy 
Sonic. I loved it. I loved it. So some people would be annoying, but like that kid being like, Shadow's coming. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Shadow's uh, coming, kid. Hell yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, kids are amazing. Yeah. What else are you obsessed with? Uh, I've been, I play shooter games too. I've been playing this game that I've never found anyone else to play online. It's called Rogue Company. So it's like kind of like a third person shooter. I guess like the closest I would describe it is kind of like Overwatch, but I've never played Overwatch. So bad mm-hmm. <laughs> metaphor, I guess. But like mm-hmm. I love it, but at the same time, I'm getting too good that I'm getting like upset at people not being as good as me, which is like my perfect medium is just being like a noob on a game because I feel like it's okay to lose. Once right. you put so many hours in, I get upset <laughs> when I lose. <laughs> I um I used to play Fortnite a lot on my phone of all things, and everyone That's... gets real upset when I tell them the I phone play on is my crazy. Phone. <laughs> and I was really good on my phone, and then Apple went and were like, "Nah, like Epic, you can't be pulling that stuff with like how you're you know not having us be paid because you can you know get around that and mm. you know." I played it for like a good year or so after they like stopped making all the uh, updates to the game and all that. And I'm just like, I'm just like playing the same thing and everyone's getting all sorts of crazy like upgrades and stuff like that. So now I'm like, I, you know, and I like upload it onto my Mac and I realized, Oh wait, it's just one Apple device to another Apple device. And like, it's just <laughs> not upgraded at all to whatever. And I'm trying to play it on a remote control and it's not the same as my phone so now i'm like oh i gotta figure out a way to get around it and i I was talking to uh a buddy of mine who who plays um fortnite with a couple other illustrators and he has some kind of uh program that makes like part of his mac feel like 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 become like a pc so that it can play epic games kind of stuff and so like that's one way around it, but then still have the remote control aspect to it, which is not. Say, I play it on like the Switch when if I play like Fortnite, but I feel like every time I try to play Fortnite, it's been like too long that I have to download an update that is Ugh. just like three hours long, and then that kills my drive to ever play. <laughs> so well, I guess like, oh. like what you need to do is like if you plan on playing it that day, you, you do it in the morning, and then when yeah. you're ready. It's just like Fortnite's like my barbershop where it's like never when I need it. (laughs) Never when you need it. Yes. (laughs) Just when I'm like on the Switch and I'm like, oh, is it, does it work? Oh, sure. Uh, I'll play. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, You're also into the Bachelor Nation. That's a thing. I love the Bachelor Nation. Yes. Yes. I will say right now, Paradise uh, is feeling like homework. It's like too many episodes, too many people. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. uh, Because, like, I feel like there used to be, like, a rose ceremony for Paradise, at least, like, every week. And now we'd go, like, three or four weeks with no rose. And I'm just like, bro, it's this is the same two days. I know it is. Please let me out of this hell. (laughs) Bring me to another day. They're just trying to really expand that into, like, a multi-week thing. You know, just keep it going. Yeah. I think they're trying to do it where it's just, like, Bachelor is just always on on like Monday and Tuesday throughout the whole year, which Mm -hmm. well, I mean, they film like, like 12 hour, like 12, 15 hours a day, you know, 
not with them sleeping or anything like that. So I imagine they were just like, you know what? There's like a lot of drama, a lot of like storylines and stuff like that. So maybe they can kind of get away with that. But whereas instead of like cutting it into like a perfect half hour hour show uh, and then the rose ceremony and all that, it I guess it kind of makes it more of a draw, kind of like how, um, you know, Disney Plus has been doing these like TV shows where they've been mm-hmm. like taking a storyline and really expanding it. It basically turns into like a, you know, six to ten episode Marvel movie. <laughs> it's like yeah. multiple Marvel <laughs> movies and like one thing you're like, oh, my God, everything is so much all the time um, in a way. I never really got into The Bachelor or Bachelorette because... I just was like, where's all the people of color? And if they are, why are they always getting knocked off early? Yes. I feel like there was a golden era when I started where there was like, there was Rachel Lindsay, who was like the first like black bachelorette. And then of course, because of 2020, there was Matt James, who was the first black bachelor. Um, And since then there has been like, and then there's Michelle who was also like, she's I think half black, but she was also like a bachelor. And, like, there's been, like, enough people that there's been more people of color in it. Because whenever yep. I look at, like, old stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah. I That's why I didn't watch it. But now yeah. <laughs> there's more Now you've convinced me to, like, <laughs> go back and rewatch uh, some of the later episode, later seasons of Bachelor. Yeah. Uh, so now, now I feel more inspired to go back there. Because when... Because uh, for me, like, the dating shows that I watch was, like, you know, the one that got away that was on Amazon, super messy. I love, I love that. that show. <laughs> it was, like, uh, they had, like, several contestants where they basically brought on uh, people. from. They, like, had producers go and comb through their entire life. And they had friends and, like, ex-lovers come back and you know, to try to get a second chance or a first chance because they were just whatever. And uh, it was wild, like, how, like, messy and complicated. And it was, like, everything from, like, one person had, like, their literal next-door neighbor they had, like, one conversation with their entire life. (laughs) Trying to to hit up with someone. That's messy. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, I would freaking move out of that neighborhood <laughs> as soon as this like show ended like no way to like you know uh just like like all like someone that they haven't seen since high school like connect with them again and they've like they still live in the same city but they haven't really connected again since and i'm just like oh my god and all the dates were like kind of centered around like things that were like experiential about like the limited experiences they've had with these people. Like the neighbor was like, he like sold cheese for a living or something. That Okay. Yeah. Like (laughs) he was like a, yeah. Like, you know, like he like import export kind of guy of like cheese. And he like gave her like this huge piece of like cheddar or something as like a gift. She's like, what am I doing with this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like you know um and then like this one guy the person they had a high school um person uh come with they like took like a limousine ride and sat out in a field as if like and they like wore like 
a boutonniere and and all that like as if they so were like going back like to prom, prom again and i'm just like oh this is so freaking weird that, that is like the concept is already messy and i feel oh, yeah. like I feel like that's not helping anyone putting someone back in high school as your like one shot. <laughs> what if you had a glow up and then you're like, Hey, forget about that. Remember what I looked like mm-hmm. in high school? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ha- um, have you ever been to like a, a high school reunion at all? I know that you were like a military brat and you went everywhere, but yeah, I have not yet. I have, uh, been, uh, dodging them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the I- last, Last one was like 2018 was when I could have gone to, but it was just like so far. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I went to my 20 year reunion and, uh, that was, no, I went to my, no, my, I think my 10 year, which was like in 2015. And I remember thinking like, what's going to happen? Like who's who and all that. And, other toxic things I'm not going to say on Mike <laughs> at the time. And I, I went and uh, it was really cool because I got to see like, actually like people became fully formed people just like me. And they're doing all sorts of interesting things. They have full lives and they're no longer these like two dimensional people that I remember them as they're like actual, like full people. And in part, like high school reunions are like really great. Uh, on that level and you just feel good that like we all made it we all survived we all kind of came out on the other end you know and uh and that's it with when it comes to that anyway back to like (laughs) dating shows um the only other show that i got really invested in was uh are you the one but only uh season eight of are you the one which is an mtv show and basically the reason why was because everyone on the show was either bisexual or pansexual. So there was like super messy, you, you make super me messy. Watch everyone's <laughs> dating everyone. Everyone's go, doing the challenges uh, and everything. And so it was it was wild. And I think I, that like anyone that watches that show, they like also there's like a trans person on the show and they, um, you know, uh, there's like an intimate moment where. Um, you know, these two started talking and the one uh, took their uh, HRT, you know, in front of them, like, you know, shot it up into the leg and and everything and and how like intimate that moment was between these two people. I'm trying to refrain from calling them characters because they're real people. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Even though it's kind of scripted in a way. um, But I was just like, oh, this is like so intimate of like a moment between these two people. And I absolutely love it. And I'm so happy for them and everything. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Actually, that sounds like I need to need to get that. The only like MTV show I've been watching is just Catfish, which you yeah. know is a classic, a staple of America, one there of the best a, shows ever made. There was a time where I basically just watched a bunch of episodes of Catfish, and I was just like. Sometimes I'd be like, yeah, I'd fall for that. <laughs> and other times I'd be like, how could you be so silly? Like, that's, there's all the signs there. That's all the there. ones, the ones from like when they're in high school to like now, I feel a little more like, I feel forgiving because I'm like, oh, they were in high school. You like, by yeah. that point, you made such a strong connection that you like, you're forgiving a lot of stuff. 
Right. The people who like just met like two years ago in a small town and haven't seen them, I'm like, nah, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's a catch. Yeah. But I mean, I kind of, I kind of try to put myself in their shoes, and I'm like, oh well, you know, I haven't seen so and so in forever. There was some kind of connection here. I don't know, like maybe there's something here and maybe and I'm maybe a little lonely or something and trying to like, you know, so I can see like how some people in these smaller towns, it, it would happen, you know, not mm. to say that everyone in a small town is a broad brush is just like lonely and trying to keep connection no, and all no, that. No. But I, I, I mean, I can, I can, I can see that happening, you know, anyway, I don't know. No. But uh, anything else you're watching that's kind of uh, interesting or uh, I'm watching Abbott elementary Oh my god! I yes. love Abbott Elementary. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. I it's, also, it's like this. It's like the formula of like The Office, but there's there's a lot of heart. Different. In it. Yeah. I I love it. I feel like it's like it does this thing of like being great at delivering social commentary without it feeling like preachy. Right. It's like in there. It's like a little bit of a joke, but then you're like, oh, that was. Mm -hmm. this bigger thing i love it i think it's like written beautifully i i think it's 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 so well intentioned so thoughtful i i absolutely love it too oh man anyway i could continue talking with you but uh i think uh we'll just kind of leave it at that so akeem um where can people can find you on the internet uh you can find me at akeem team on everything on everything (laughs) instagram Twitter, TikTok, <laughs> my website. Uh, <laughs> I like that you said it in the tone of like, you know, treat yourself. <laughs> kind of like, you know, parks and recreation be like, massages, treat yourself, chocolates, treat yourself. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's just like, even even if you want to play me on Fortnite, which I'm never on when I want to, but when yeah. I... <laughs> Or when I need to be, it is also a keep team. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, if when I can figure out how to, like, actually, you know, get back on Fortnite and, like, have everything upgraded, my username is Sulk Scout. Sulk Scout. (laughs) Yes. I'm I'm that emo that I put (laughs) my name as Sulk Scout. It's pretty great. Anyway, Akeem, thank you so much for being here. Of course.